Welcome to On Demand. This is Pastor Rick. I'm glad you're with us today. I love the teaching we're about to share with you. It's called Elevated Thinking. I'm convinced that you have to learn how to go up to the next level. There's a good old book I read a long time ago called Good to Great. It talks about how you elevate your thinking and the difference between a good company and a great company. There's the difference between a good life and a great life. How do you get to that great place? What do you do to get there? Well, you have to change the way you think, improve your thinking, my friend. That's how you protect your future, make everything better. So this study, oh man, it's been so good. So listen, tune into it, listen to it, focus on it. If you like it, link it and send it to a friend. But right now, buckle up and get ready for a journey as we talk about how to elevate your thinking. Stay right there. Hey, it's Pastor Rick, glad you're with us today. Let me say, if you're watching and you're watching online and you have those emojis, send them up and say, hey, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. Let everybody know that you're present. Listen, we want, to, want everybody to be a part. And I want to say, if you're online, thank you, thank you, thank you for being with us today. And your presence means a lot. You are important. You is important. You is very important. And I want you to know that. So type your name in the chat. Tell us where you are. Tell us what city you're in. Love to know where you are. And I just hope that you please know you're valuable to us. I believe in online. I believe that people who are online are in church. I do. I, I give them credit for church. I think God does. Because the Bible said that where two or three are gathered in my name. And some of you are sitting there with your family gathered together watching. God is with you right there in your home or business or in the car, wherever you are. And I believe God will bless you on demand, wherever you are watching. God is with you if you're there to honor his name. If you gather in his name, he's present. So let's pray and let's get to it, shall we? Father, I pray what we talk about today is uplifting and helpful. Bless the message. Bless our hearts in Jesus name. Amen. The goal of this teaching today is simple. I want to elevate your mind. I want to challenge you to think differently. Now, here's what I believe is true. Some things in life will never happen for you unless you change the way you think. Some things can't happen. It's because you just can't think in the right way. And what I've learned in life is I, I evolve in my thinking. My thinking at some, in some seasons was not um, <laughs> progressive enough. I was too slow. I was not disciplined enough. There were a lot of things that couldn't, I couldn't manage if I didn't change the way I thought. Uh, I, I'll give you a simple example before I read any verses to you. There was a time when sermon preparation for me was a, a day before event. So I was preaching on Sunday. I prepared on Saturday, early to Friday. I, I changed the way I thought and said, hey, first of all, this is bondage because every week I'm in bondage trying to get this thing done. And then if I'm teaching on Wednesday nights, which I used to do Wednesday and Sunday, I'd have to really hustle to get things done. And I was sometimes studying right before I went up to preach. And I just got tired of it. And it's hard for the staff. It's hard for anybody working with you. It's hard for them to be organized, to plan ahead, to advertise or anything. And so I changed. And now I do sermons way ahead, several weeks, if not a couple of months. I mean, I lay them out for the year. I, I pray about a direction. What if God gives you something different? I'll change it. But until then, I pray about a direction and I believe that's the direction until I feel a change. But here's the big lesson. Changing my thinking changed the way everybody around me worked. I made everything easier for everybody and, and myself. So I'm not Saturday night biting my nails, hoping I have some thought or getting up Sunday, praying, asking the choir to sing another song because I don't have a message right now. Class, sing that song again. And then just kind of going eeny, meeny, mighty, mo. Here's the Bible. There I go. Th that is exactly what a lot of guys do. And it sounds like it. A lot of ladies, a lot of preachers do it. There's this, this, this idea that spontaneity is somehow spiritual. That's the way I was thinking. 
Your thinking affects everything you do. The way you define certain things hinders you. I told a pastor, your problem is your definitions. The way you define ministry, life, your role, your, your, your power, the way you define things has affected everything. And here's what God says about us. And I want to just read a verse, Isaiah 55, to show you that God says you have the same problem with him. Here's what he says, Isaiah 55, 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways, big statement, higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. You know, there's something people say sometimes just to sound humble. They'll say, nobody is better than me. Everybody is the same. Okay, I understand that. I understand. In the courtroom, though, you're not. The judge is the man in the, in the courtroom. <laughs> when the blue lights come on behind you, they're right in that moment, they're police. It means you, you pull over, police. You don't stop. Okay, it's on. You understand? There, there are places where God does not want you to be the supreme voice. There are people that, that are in authority over you. The Bible says in Romans that God established authorities. I believe that there are people that come into your life and their assignment is to challenge you to think differently, to challenge you to see the world differently. And if you can't think differently, you're not going to have certain experiences. There's, there's a book that um, I'm going to mention to you because I, I mentioned it the last time we was together. And it, it, really, it really is powerful. And it's um, a book um, by Craig Crochet called Winning the War of the Mind. It's a really good book. And in your mind. And I believe that if you win the war in your mind, you can change everything. We're going to have a, a, a book a club gathering around this book later on. But I want you to think about this. Your thoughts, I love the way he says this. This is so cool. Let me read it. He says, he says, our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Whatever your thoughts are, whatever your strongest thoughts are, that's the way your mind's moving. And that's what you have to deal with. You have to deal with the fact that somehow in your life, you're moving in a direction. And the question is, is it in the right direction? Now, here's what God says. As far as you and I are concerned, you're always slow. Your, thought, your thoughts are so far behind me. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways and my thoughts higher than yours. I think it's a miracle that God can talk to us. We're so slow. It's a miracle. And that's why somebody asked me the other day, one of the young, I did a young adult Bible study with some young adults, and they asked me a question about the voice of God. And they kind of said, Pastor Rick, um, and I, I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm trying to be a spiritual person, and I'm, I'm trying to hear the voice of God, and I don't know what, what to do? Am I hearing it or not hearing it? Is this God's voice or not? And I said, part of the reason that God gave us the word of God, the Bible gave us a, a written guide is because we're too slow to do it without it. We'll get him wrong. We'll get him wrong. We'll, we'll misjudge things. We use our culture as a lens to see. We see God through our culture. See, black folk think God is black. White folk think God white. Asian people think God Asian. You know, people think, everybody think God like them. But that's not True. Our problem is that we, we don't think at the level he does. Here's what he says. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Let's stop right there. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts above your thoughts, my ways above your ways. So all you spiritual people, you in the house, you the spiritual person in the house. Everybody know, you, you, don't, you know Jesus and nobody knows Jesus but you. I understand. Maybe true. Maybe true. Maybe everybody's a heathen around you. I understand that. But here's the deal. You still don't think like him. You're still not perfect. You still have issues. And I hear people in your house saying, amen, preach to, to, 
<laughs> her, him, whoever it is. It's important to just pause. Don't y'all fight. Stop. Stop. Time out. Just follow me. Hang with me for a minute. Let me finish my sermon. Some of you need to pause for a minute because here's the deal. The issue is God's trying to elevate your thinking so he can teach you to see things another way. And it's really important. Now, there's a story that I love. It's another book. Here I go, a book again. T.D. Jakes has a book out, right? And it's Instincts. And it's a great book. And he talks about this giraffe principle, which I thought was phenomenal. <laughs> that was amazing. It was really amazing. And in this book, he gives this example. He goes to Africa, right? And he goes to Africa and he uh, encounters this giraffe and he knows the giraffes eat from the top of the trees. And that a giraffe rarely, rarely goes, eats from the ground because if he goes too low, he'll, his blood will rush to his head, he'll just pass out. And he goes through this explanation in the book and it's really profound. And I, I thought it was so powerful when he told the story. And then he said this, he said, turtles on the other hand eat from the ground. And they, they eat down here and, and they, they just can't, eat, they can't get up there to eat that. Giraffes up here, turtles down here. And he, he asked this question, he says, are you trying to get your vision from people who just can't get it? They're down here. They just can't get it. And you, you, you can't allow them to over-influence you. Now, this doesn't mean you can't listen to people who don't have what you don't, ha what you don't have. This is not about you being better than people. This is about understanding there are people who have different levels of experience. And so here's a question. Are you a potential giraffe living in a turtle environment? Are you living in an environment where everybody around you is not thinking about entrepreneurship or business. Nobody around you. You're the only one. So you're trying to talk to them about payroll and payroll taxes and strategic planning, and they're not interested. And I'm not trying to call them a name. I'm just making a point. This is not about belittling anybody, belittling anybody. This is about saying sometimes in life, you have to elevate your thinking to where you are and where you want to go. There's some things you can't get without an education. Sorry. Some things you can't have. Some things in life, it requires eating from the top of the trees. There are certain things. That's why, back to my sermon preparation conversation, I realized that I, I, I just couldn't, I just couldn't uh, survive this job without a better way of doing it. And that's where I want to take you today. I'm going to show you three guys, three ways of thinking, Matthew chapter, uh, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 16. And I want to show you something. It's really simple. It's a story. Jesus told these parables, right? He told these stories to illustrate things so people could see it, right? And you're going to see the elevated thinking in this, in this story. You're going to see people who thought in ways that were different. But the main lesson I want you to see in the story I'm about to show you is two ways of thinking. The thinking of three men in a unique season starts in Luke chapter 16, verse 1. Jesus told his disciples there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. Think about that now. There's a guy, there's a manager, and the manager was accused. So somebody who was unnamed turned him in and said, he's wasting your possessions. So we got the, the, the person who's the owner, the rich man. That's one guy. We got the, the manager. That's the guy who's not doing a good job. And then we got, thirdly, an unnamed person who turned him in. This is the story again. Jesus told his disciples there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? 
give an account of your management because you cannot, you're fired, your job is over, you are done, you cannot be a manager any longer. Pack your bags. I want you out of here by Friday. I mean, just, <laughs> just, I mean, he is like done. Now, I want you to notice, the story gets weird because the story says the guy is in shock. And I want you to look at how the rich man viewed this, how the manager viewed it, and how the other guy who told on him, who, who set this all up in, 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 uh, in I won't say I won't, <laughs> the word ratted on him, but that's not a fair word because it's not, it's not a bad thing he did. He told the truth. This guy's wasting your assets. He's wasting your stuff. Okay, now watch this. So first of all, look at how the rich man thought. First thing, he paid attention to his business details. Uh, you know, sometimes God can give you stuff and you just don't pay attention to it. He gave you a house, you know, keep up with it. He gave you, you know, a, a company, you, you don't steward it well. So watch the business guy. He paid attention to his business details. Number two, he created a strong accountability system. Somehow the system he had in place caught the guy cheating, caught the guy doing a bad job. What is this I hear about you, he said. Notice the people were talking. Oh, he's wasting money. He's wasting stuff. He had a system in place that brought about accountability. You need to inspect what you expect. I'm telling you, the biggest challenge sometimes in business and in life is you don't inspect what you expect. Thirdly, Watch this about the manager. I mean, the, the rich guy, rather. He confronted his business issues. He went and confronted the guy. He said, you cannot be a manager any longer. You fired him. If you don't have the ability to do this, you shouldn't be a manager. You shouldn't start. Don't, don't do business. Because if you cannot stop things, if you can't confront things, if you're going to let it just go, then you're not going to be well. Now look at how the manager thought. That's how the rich guy thought. Look at the manager. Number one, the manager thought it was okay. It was okay to waste his boss's possession. For some reason, he thought, man, it's okay. Yeah, nobody's going to see this. It doesn't matter. That little slothful, lazy, come to work late, do what I want to do, waste time, take an extra lunch hour, spirit. Trifling. He became a manager who was trifling. Now, I'm going to tell you something. You can pray and ask God to give you favor on your job. But if you don't do a good job, you can't ask God to give you favor on your job. Now, I want you to hear me. This is important. They're paying you money and you're not doing what you were paid to do. You've now taken over the job and you're now doing it your way. That's what he did. He thought, notice his thinking, that he thought it was okay to be irresponsible. He thought it was okay to ignore the grace he was given, leadership, higher salary, higher opportunity. Instead of that being a good thing, it became a thing that spoiled him, wrecked him. I have learned this, and I've been a boss. I've hired hundreds of people over my lifetime, and I'm telling you something. People sometimes, would you give opportunity to, don't take advantage of it. It's a privilege to go to work. It's a privilege to have a job. Somebody can pay you. And I always say, I'm not paying you to make me look bad. I mean, I can keep my money. But that's exactly what happened with this guy. And everybody saw it. And I love the fact that they told on him. Now, the informant, the guy who told, there are some things I want you to notice about him, three things. Number one, he felt it was his responsibility to see something and say something. He said, no, I need to say something. Uh, no, uh, no, I see something. I need to say something. I need to let this go. 
Secondly, he thought the risk was his responsibility to get involved in. He thought, listen, this risky, but I need to get involved in this. I, I, need, I need to be in this. This is my company. We're losing money, all because I'm not being responsible. Number three, watch this. He felt knowing his name was not necessary. I love the fact his name, he's not named. Don't know if it was a man or a woman. Don't know who told. Young or old, we don't know. What's important is the company had a policy and a culture that confronted things. That's why churches get destroyed, businesses get destroyed, communities get destroyed, countries, all because communities, because people don't say anything. Is that you? Just a thought. How did the manager respond to the failure in his private uh, thought time? Now, how did the manager respond? The manager, the guy who was getting fired, the manager said, verse 3, this is important because in Luke, um, he said, chapter 16. <laughs> I love this. It's so, so classic. The manager said, look, he said to himself, what shall I do now? Man, I messed up. That's, that's a good start. I messed up now. My master has taken away my job. Man, I don't have a job. I need a job. I got to work. Now, you didn't think about that when you're doing a bad job. Till you get fired. Some of you don't think about that. You don't even pray until they say you're fired. Jesus, you start calling up. Oh, Jesus. Well, you've been late every day. They tell you don't be late. Here's what he said. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. My master is taking away my job. Yeah, it was his job to give you. Remember, it was a privilege. I'm not strong enough to dig. I can't dig. Got a bad back. <laughs> Ain't nothing but digging jobs around here, boy. Whew, I had a good job. Now I got to go up to ooh, bad back right there. In the, ooh, it hurt if I had to get a shovel. It's all can't dig. He said, he said, I'm ashamed to beg. Can't get out there and beg. Beg is the other career around here. Everybody begging, you know, you know, with the big old sign. I need some money. I got fired. Can you give me some money? He said, I can't beg. Bad back. Can't dig. He said, I know what I'll do. I know what I'll do. So that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. I'm going to need a place to stay. I'm going to be homeless, too. I'm going to tell you right now, I need a job. I'm going to need a home. I'm going to be homeless. He's seeing all these bad things coming his way. And see, now, all this could have been avoided if he'd done a good job. See, if he'd taken advantage of the opportunity to work. But he didn't. Well, watch what happened. I love the fact that there are four things I noticed about this guy. He asked himself an honest question. You got honest. What shall I do? I mean, there's something about that moment when you ask yourself an honest question. Number two, he honestly assessed the risk he was facing. He honestly said, no, I'm going to lose my house. I'm going to be homeless. I'm not, he's, he's, he said, I came back. I got a bad back. I can't dig. I mean, I don't like to beg. I can't beg. Oh, boy, I'm in trouble. Notice how honest he is. How bad off are you? You need to get honest. Thirdly, he honestly assessed his abilities. I don't have the ability to do that. I may want to, but I can't. Fourthly, he thought ahead. He thought ahead. He thought he started thinking ahead and faithfully implemented the best plan he could. The best plan he came up with was using what he had in his hands. So what did he do? Verse five. Now, this is kind of weird. Now, this, this gets stranger. <clears throat> so he called in each one of his master's debtors. So he was obviously in charge of collecting debt. Now, here's what I want to say before I go any further. We don't know whether these people were people who owed money, who never paid back the money, 
And, and these were people that maybe should have been turned over in our culture to collection. You know, back in those days, though, they sent you to debtor's prison. You went to prison for not paying people back in, the, in this day. But, but let's, let's just assume these are people that owe the master, the rich guy, money. He's in charge. He's about to you know, leave his job. So here's what he says. He asked the first guy, he said, how much do you owe my master? He said, 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, make it for 400. I give you a deal. I'm going to cut it in half, man. I want you to get 400 and some change. Now watch this. Then he asked the second guy, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill, make it 800. Look at that. The master commended, once he saw what this guy did, and he saw the guy had collected this money. Now, again, I don't know if these were debts that people had been lingering on the books and maybe the master thought he was never going to get it back and he was just letting it linger on the books. I don't know. But here's what I know happened. When the master came in and saw the effort he made to fix his mess, to help himself, when he saw the effort, here's what he said. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of, of the light. Now, here's what Jesus does. He makes a comparison. So you see that guy right there? He's, 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 he's not a good manager. You see that guy right there? He's shrewd. He's dishonest. But he took the initiative to do something. Now, I don't think what he did was right. It was dishonest. But notice that that's a set of rules he lived by faithfully. He said, the people in the world... And the King James really says as well, the kingdom, people in the world, they live by their rules, their standards. Children of light, as you and me, we don't live by our rules and standards. They do a better job of being obedient to their evil rules than we do our righteous rules. <laughs> it's just amazing. When you look at this, you think, okay, so you're saying they're more faithful. Yeah, they are. And I love the fact that Jesus starts to dissect what he did. Now look at verse nine. He said, I tell you, this is important. Use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it's gone, you'll be welcome into eternal dwellings. In other words, don't be afraid to do something creative to fix your financial situation. He's not telling you to do anything evil. What he's saying is understand how this works. Worldly wealth matters. Friends matter. That's the bottom line. Don't get deep. That's the bottom line. He's trying to show you this guy had friends. This guy had wealth. Let me tell you something. You can be real spiritual, but until you learn to appreciate those two things, a lot of things in your life will never come together. Again, the way you think. I don't care about people. I don't care about money. See, that's why you broke. That's why when you need a job, you can't get one. That's why there's nobody to come to your rescue. You praying, why ain't nobody coming over here? Because you, you're not friendly. Notice Jesus identified two strong things that God did. He had friends and he understood wealth. <laughs> um, then he says something else. He takes them on a journey in verse 10. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. If you have not been trustworthy, here's the punchline. If you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, money, if you're not trustworthy, who will trust you with true riches? If you can't handle your money, you can't be trusted with, other, uh, with heavenly stuff. 
Notice how Jesus took this moment to say, let me show you a principle and let me show you how to think, how to adjust your thinking, how to elevate your thinking. Don't just look down on what this guy did. Notice he understood the importance of wealth. He understood the importance of friendship. He understood that he has to deal with this true story in his life. That's how a lot of Christians end up in places that God didn't want them to end up in because they can't face this. They've been unfaithful and worldly well. God says, how can I give you the riches of the kingdom? You're not faithful here. You won't be faithful there. Important principle. Verse 12. I love the fact that he says plainly in verse 12, if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? If you won't take care of your boss's property, God says there are things you'll never get in your life. You may, you may not understand your faithfulness is an asset. It brings other opportunities to you. Sometimes you're praying for God to do things. God says, I can't do that for you. You're not faithful. <clears throat> you're not reliable. You're not trustworthy. You're saved. You go to church. You pray. You sing, but you're not reliable. You borrow money. Don't pay it back. You don't even call people telling them you can't pay them back. You just sit there and ignore things. Your credit score says a lot. Now, I'm not saying it's true. I know some of it's not fair, <laughs> but some of it's true. You borrow money and you don't pay back. And you know you don't pay back and you don't care. People call you, hang up on them. You know, there's no sense of loyalty to what you said you were going to do. And what's really sad is you hide behind the Bible and church and Jesus and you don't pause and say, in the practical side of my life, I'm a mess. I need to get the practical sides of my life in alignment. It starts with being truthful with myself. I've not been faithful with my natural stuff, my money, my, look at my house, look at my car, look what am I doing? I got French fries in the back seat from last week. Why is that? So I can eat them later or something? Yeah, <laughs> what are you doing? Why is your life like this? Why? Why not? Take a bath. Why not? Come on. No good. Why not? Why not? Why not try to lose some of the weight? Enough so you can be healthy. Why not try? I didn't say you'll be perfect. Jesus is saying this guy is trying and here are people walking in the light and they're not even trying. You're in the light. You're singing about God's grace in your life and power in your life. Eating all that sugar. Doctor, I told you. Praise God. Ooh, Pastor, you're all over me today. No, I'm just trying to be your friend. Jesus' thinking was amazing. Verse 13, he closes with a great thought. He says, you know, you cannot serve two masters. Either you will hate the one, and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. I'm not, you can't serve God and money. Money can't be your God. I didn't want you to go that far. Didn't say that. But he goes on and says this. The Pharisees who have loved money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, you are the ones who justify yourself in the eyes of others but God knows your hearts. What, what, what people value highly can be detestable in God's sight. You know, you Pharisees, you love money. It's all about money. And nothing wrong with money. See, notice the balance he's trying to strike. You got to focus on money. You got to understand the power of it, but you can't be controlled by it. But you have to understand and respect it. A lot of people talk, but they can't do anything because you're too broke to do anything. Here's what I believe. God wants to help you get past this level of thinking. He wants to elevate your thinking, but you're stagnant. 
And that brings me to the next series, stagnant thinking. I want you to, this whole year with me of studies, I want you to look at how you could protect your future. Here's how you protect your future. Here's how you fix your life. Number one, improve your thinking. Improve how you think. And number two, you ready? This is our next big step we're going to take in this next series. Get beyond stagnant thinking. There is something about thinking at a higher level. The Bible says God's given you the ability to think differently. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. We'll talk about that next time. God wants to give you the power to build wealth, the power to have a better perspective. Your view of life changes when you get beyond stagnant thinking. And one of the biggest areas we're stagnant in is when it comes to money and finances and how to manage it. How do you think about money? If you think differently, your life can change. If you're scared, don't come back next time. But if you're ready to study and get beyond being stagnant, stagnant praying, you're praying the same prayers, stagnant vision, it's time for you to raise your mind. Let me pray for you. Father, let this be a moment of elevation for them. I pray the word of God would come alive, that the spirit of God would raise up a vision in their hearts to trust you. May they not be afraid. I pray for people who've been afraid. They've been stagnant. They've been thinking too low. They can't eat from the top of the trees. I pray, God, that the spirit of God would touch them today and inspire them to believe they can. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I pray it lifted your mind and lifted your heart. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are God's thoughts above our thoughts and God's ways above our ways. The key thing is, can you catch up? Can you open your heart and allow him to take you to a better place so that you can have things that you thought never were possible in your life? I'm telling you, I'm a living witness of it. I'm, how did I get from where I was to where I am? How did I get from, I was born in Savannah, raised in Los Angeles and South Central. How did I get from there to here? To, now I'm talking to you. Isn't that amazing? You know, part of that is elevating my thinking along the way. And I'm still climbing right now. So I want to pray for you that your mind can climb, that you can get to the places you dream to be or places you never dream to be. Let's pray. Father, I pray your spirit would touch and heal and elevate and bless those who are watching and those who've tuned into this. Let this be a moment of elevation for them, victory. And, and I pray a rising of faith in Jesus name. Amen. May God take you to places you never thought you can go. If you like the message, link it, send it to a friend and share the word with somebody else. I'll see you next time right here as we turn the page and talk more about how to get your thinking in the right place when it comes to your money, when it comes to the way you manage people. There's this incredible term, incredible term that I love, and it's called stagnant thinking. What is it that's got you stagnated where you can't move to the next level? That's the next series. Don't miss it. It's going to be good. Stagnant thinking. I'm going to show you how to think better. Elevate your mind. It's going to be good stuff. God bless you. Have a great day and believe you can. See you next time. Bye-bye.